0: Hey everybody, week three, no new episodes, but I am very happy to share this one with you this week. Reminder, this is John, one half of United 96, and this week I am bringing you our interview with Devin McTavish, former color commentary of DC United, also former Defender. This is a good one, and every time I interview someone uh, that talks for a living, the episodes are very long, so uh, enjoy that. It's, a good, it's actually a really good one, and if you missed it the first time, I'm sure you'll enjoy it this time. Check out whatever we have for you next week. I'm not sure yet. It might be another interview. Vamos. Welcome into RFK Refugees Podcast. This is the second of the week uh, out of three because we don't understand supply and demand, and we just put out way more than anyone's looking for. Uh, but Ted Meyer continues to be on vacation. I continue to be putting out content, and I have with me Devin McTavish. Devin, thank you for joining us.
1: John, it's my pleasure. Thanks for joining. Or thanks for joining. Thanks for thanks for having me uh, having me on tonight. What day is it? Where are we? What's going on? It here? doesn't matter, does it? Really, right? I don't. Everything know. does run together, and if it's not a game day, then I just don't have any focus in my life at all. So. Yeah, I feel that. Wrap.
0: I feel that. So, most important I think we have to get this out of the way. The people want to know when was the last time that you dyed your hair blonde, and don't say it wasn't this year. Oh yeah. Maybe you got bored during lockdown. What was? What happened? What's, I, what's I, going I, I, on? I Look at that.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> it's. I have a hat on, and I took it off, and it's. Um, you know, a lot of salt, but there's a lot of pepper in there too. Mostly salt at this age, but. Um, honestly, John, I've never, I I did some sun in like in high school or college, that was it. And, uh, never had the audacity or the courage I should (laughs) say to, to bleach my hair. Like, you know, I mean, I grew up in the time, like I'm in like eighth grade, ninth grade when Jaime is, you know, doing his bleach blonde hair and running MLS. And I'm like, that's what I always wanted to be that I just could never pull off the bleach blonde hair. And so, um, yeah. And then a couple, what was it last week? The Philly game, yeah, well, Philly we, game yeah game I think it was the, the Philly, Philly game. game. So, yeah, I, <laughs> I can't remember if you started. Did you start? Yeah, and so I, I don't know what was going on there. Well Actually, we have this uh, guy. It was the
0: delay. Of, it was the weather. It was the weather delay. We have your your cleek lights just made got you.
1: Bored. We just got <laughs> bored and started just like throwing stuff in my hair. Yeah, yeah, that was really all the, about the lighting. Was, I understand. It was the. Uh,
0: Yeah, I I get. I I actually recall a time. I think we're we're very we're pretty similar in age, and I remember around eighth grade it became very cool to um, highlight your hair, like to run your to dye your hair, like pull it through a cap and dye that blonde tips, frosted tips. Yeah, Yeah, I did that. I was doing that in middle school football. It was a it was very was a great time. I have pictures I remember fondly of that that I will never. Well, I don't know if it worked out, but I certainly tried it. Man, we got to do some, something uh,
1: You got to have some pictures of that, I'm sure somewhere. We I'm sure.
0: That, right? I that's right. That's a Patreon high level tier to get those pictures <laughs> to get on the internet. Uh, so, I think so. Uh, let's let's walk you. Let's walk through a broadcast day for you uh, at home. So, like an, uh, a a home game starts normal time seven o'clock. Uh, what's a day like for you? When do you when do you roll in? What's prep like? That kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, good question. So, um. Uh, a lot of kids' activities because my uh, wife uh, is going to be by herself for about a third of the day, and having to do bedtime by herself with two kids, both under the age of. You got to build so. that equity up uh, early day. You're, you're super dad. Exactly. So uh, I, I wouldn't say super dad, but yeah, build that equity <laughs> up. That's a good way to put it. Uh, tire the kids out, and uh, you know, do a grocery run if needs to, um, that sort of thing. But you know, honestly, throughout the day, because you can never do enough preparation. Like, I, I mean, obviously, even leading up until the time we get the, uh, you know, the, the team sheet, you you don't fully know who's going to be in the 11, who's on the bench, um, if players are going to be fit or not. And so things are constantly changing. And so even like leading into uh, going live for um, our pregame show, I mean, we're still doing research on, you know, what's happening with whatever team we're playing, who exactly we're trying to get confirmation from D.C. United's locker room. And so, um, you know, throughout the day, I'm constantly in communication, usually with Dave, obviously everyone knows Dave Johnson. Um, he's got contacts throughout the league. So he's always kind of, you know, using his, uh, his web to, uh, get the latest details on whoever DC United's playing. And then obviously, um, Jeff Strauss, our director producer, um, he's always kind of like lining up elements for us as well. And Hey, maybe we should try this. So it's a lot of, while I'm trying to keep the kids entertained during the day, it's also a lot of, uh, you know, responding to emails. say, Devin, look at this video. What do you think? Do we need to throw that in there? Um, think about this concept um, and maybe this, uh, I don't want to say narrative. Cause that sounds like we're, we are the ones who developed the narrative, but um, what do you think of this? Uh, Your storylines. Story sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, and then I, I arrived to, we do, we do all games right at Audi Field. So home and away. We do the booth as it turns into a little studio for away matches. But, you know, we roughly get there about, I would say, two and a half to three hours before game, depending on um, maybe what life is like at home at the time. Dave, I think, gets there like 9.30 in the morning. If it's an 8 p.m. <laughs> kickoff, I'm not exaggerating. That dude.
0: He's, he's <laughs> flipping hamburgers he's, out in the parking he's lot. Doing,
1: he's doing it. And um, I, I joked, I think, one time in how many years I've been doing this, five or six he's uh i think i've beaten him to the stadium once and i'm (laughs) confident it was because the wizards had a day game so that was the only time you take the
0: win that's fine
1: yeah and you know what but um you know he's he's always prepared and uh obviously a pleasure to work with too so um and then you know we do a production meeting about two hours before just kind of review what we're talking about uh if you know provide updates if we get any updates from either side and um you know go time then from there, it's just kind of like finalizing notes on the teams, trying to remember stats. Obviously, we have sheets of papers in front of us, so we don't have to remember every step. But um, like I said, it's just really until the, the whistle, actually, until the pregame, it's just really trying to uh, make sure we're up to speed with uh, the latest updates and the latest news. And not just for our game, but also kind of what's going on in MLS as well.
0: Is there like a post broadcast breakdown meeting, or do you guys cover that the next day, like sort of cover anything that like, went through on the show that you want to change next time or that you liked in particular?
1: Yeah, it's a good, that's a good question. So we do, um, depending, you know, like Sunday night at eight o'clock, especially when Dave Johnson's waking up at two thirty the next day, we'll talk on
0: Monday on that one, right? <laughs> we will talk on Monday.
1: Um, sometimes Tuesday, give us an extra uh, 24 <laughs> hours to, um, you know, wrap our thoughts around it. But yeah, we, we do it a little debrief. And then we talk about the week, um, coming up. And so, you know, we also work, obviously Claudia Pagan is on the broadcast as well. And there's always things that they're working on that we may not, um, fully know about they may not even be able to discuss until actually is time to announce it so um you know we try to if they're able to talk to us about to let us know hey this is some feature we'd like to put in or this is the player that we're going to talk about we want to talk about here's why and so um yeah so it t- typically it happens about 24 48 hours after the match but you know if there's like a nice friendly like five or six o'clock game then we'll, we'll head down to the truck and just kind of debrief there as well which by think- the way if you ever get a chance to go in a production truck like i mean the amount of buttons in there and the number of things that you could screw up it's i don't know how anything gets accomplished or anything goes out but obviously everyone in there does a fantastic job and um i'd actually like to sit in there one day just kind of see how 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 it all plays out because um i think it's rather chaotic but <laughs> <Probably>. uh <laughs> i also know that everyone in there knows what they're doing, so. Um, it's I
0: remember walking by those crazy. trucks on the way to lot 8 at RFK after yeah. those games and I the the compulsion to want to like pull on some of those cables cuz yeah. there's like 9,000 patch cables connected to you you're like what would happen exactly you know, right? something bad would happen but what would happen exactly I was yeah. always too cowardly to and to 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 good benefit I don't want to cut off the post game show I don't as think I'm walking in the parking lot. I don't
1: think it's easy to unplug though <laughs> yeah, you you're know like, right. I think there's a little bit more to it than just you know just walking by and just pulling it out like a little light switch so our light sockets. So, um, no, I know.
0: Particularly in lot into lot eight of fans leaving games, if it were easy to do, they would have done it many, many many times. So good point there. Uh, I think most fans don't know that it was extremely common for broadcasters to call remotely even before COVID. Now, obviously it's a no brainer, but I think that's sometimes a surprise to fans as they're, you know, as they realize sort of a shortcoming that occurs because you're not there. Right. Um,
1: yeah, I Is mean, there any you know, par- we do we have, yeah. sorry to cut you off, but we have Moises no. uh, Linares, you know, on the broadcast now, and he helps with the pregame show, and then he does, um, you know, the broadcast on tele and so we had kind of talked before the season, and obviously at this point, no one's traveling. I don't think any production crew has traveled. They're maybe going to start doing it from rumors that I'm hearing. Um, just some teams are going to start doing it here shortly from what I'm gathering, but you know, he had indicated, he's like, we've, in Spanish broadcasts, I've never traveled Like, you know, it's we're just always just in a booth, just watching a game for wherever it may be taking place. So um, it's a different experience. And obviously, I think viewers at home realize that as well. But um, nothing beats being in the stadium, feeling the vibe, the energy and uh, obviously being able to see more than what the um, home team director wants to show us. So uh, it's uh, it it makes it a little more challenging. But, you know, at the same time, um, given our current environment, it's obviously no brainer.
0: I am trying to recall. I feel like a couple games you guys did maybe when we were under two different TV per, uh, channels ago. So when we were on
1: New Channel I've, 8. Be, yeah,
0: was it was it new channel 8 that you guys you did a couple you did a couple road games. I think maybe Toronto.
1: Yeah, we did um let's see. I think I started in 2016. So second half we we traveled until um I want to say we traveled 2016, 17, 18. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and then um I don't think we did with flow. So, yeah.
0: D- any part of you miss the travel or obviously right now I think we all kind of miss travel because we've all been sort of homebound for a year and a half, but like and you have two young kids, so maybe 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 it's uh, it's happening at the right time in your life. You're this is it's good to be able to sleep in your bed every night and be able to help out with but it's imagine so, a little bit right
1: yeah yeah no i so from you know the initial question did i miss travel i do because i mean obviously now we have and we're not playing it but you have a new stadium in austin you have a new stadium in columbus which obviously the team are they going to i, I know they played us. do we have one at the end of the season I yeah we, we do and uh yeah coming up here oh i'm sorry yeah like in next wednesday um and then uh, Cincinnati, I, w- I would love to see that same as well. And then and just feeling again, especially after the way the past you know, 18 months have been like going out to a new city and seeing the stadium and feeling the energy there and obviously the broadcast uh, is just different because you're able to view more than again what the um, home team is just kind of putting, putting out there. So I do miss that aspect from a personal standpoint. Driving into Audi Field, which takes 15 minutes, and driving home. Right. to The match uh, <laughs> makes my life a lot easier. So, um, hard to beat. It's uh yeah, I'm, you know, if if they want to start traveling again, it's gonna be, uh, I'll have to get something nice for my wife. But right, I don't, <laughs> you'll figure something. I don't out. think it's gonna happen anytime soon. Yeah. The, uh, yeah,
0: yeah, I think that that's. My one question that I have is so, you know, I, I I do, I cover spirit in Audi field. I don't cover United in, in, in the press box, but I don't know if I need binoculars. I'm not sure what's wrong with my eyes. I know I can generally tell where the home team is because I'm much more familiar with them. But when it's the away team, if I've not done an extensive amount of study and it's a team that has a formation where they sort of are, they're flowing, they're moving around pretty well oh, yeah. from the press box. I'm asking Jason Anderson every. Well, who was that? I can't see. Yeah. I am apparently old, and I imagine on the 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 monitor broadcast. Well, at least my oh. I my mean, I mean, my eyes are. I'm not sure exactly what the deal is there, but how, how uh, when you're when you're doing the away games on a monitor? Yeah. Like how big is the monitor? How close are you to the monitor? And are you just really really have good eyes? I don't know what's just. Uh, just
1: <laughs> imagine you're. Um, just imagine you're the TV and you're. Um, in your in your house okay right? like i mean it's just that's that's basically what we're watching it off of right and so uh i mean it's a it's a big tv don't get me wrong but we're not watching it like on movie screen. so um i cool. honestly you know for home games just because and like anyone who really covers mls you know you you're familiar with people's faces and i i honestly couldn't tell you most players numbers i just go off their faces and the kind of movement you're able to understand who is who and when you're in Audi field watching a game in Audi field i put numbers on my team sheets when they're put, when we're covering an away game uh simply because it is I mean you're having a you know it's it's you're not you're not right there in the action you're obviously um you know a little bit further away and so i oftentimes too and i don't know if anyone's ever picked up on this i often you know for teams say you know Ariola or Saab whoever it is gets gets by a defender let's say against You know, Cincinnati on the weekend, I'll often just say, instead of calling out the defender's name, I'll often just say, gets by a Cincinnati defender. Because while it's obviously okay to, you know, mistaken who it may have been, you're just not in the moment, you're not 100% comfortable. So you,
0: (laughs) because better to be vague than wrong.
1: I guess so. Yeah. That's my opinion. (laughs) I'm sure there's people who disagree with me, but uh, it's it's one of those things. It is hard. And so I do use numbers, you know, um, because sometimes it's easier to see the number than it is to actually see people's faces. So, um, this
0: question may have been mostly uh, useful for me. Um, I, I think it's interesting too, but for me, I'm now going to be able to do better at my job. By, I think the writing the numbers strategy is a good one so that I can more quickly identify. Um, how soon after you, you retired was broadcast something you considered doing? Was it uh, obviously you're, you retire, you, have, you go through reentry, you think about what's next, you go, you go, in, you go in, uh, to the professional world, do different things. How soon after we were you like, all right, this is something. Maybe I'll, it's a way to get back in the game. I know you were doing, you were doing something with MLS too for like, uh, like match. Yeah,
1: it was. Yeah, it was a match evaluator, um, basically a snitch. Yeah, that's what the match evaluator is. So no, it's it's a good role, but uh, I'll get to that. But yeah, so I actually approached uh, DC United just after, right after I had stopped playing. So my last season, which I didn't play a game in, I was out injured for majority of it and then when i got healthy i then got hurt again so that was 2011 so I, I i was done by 2012. so i approached them and um you know indicated like if there's ever any opportunity if you guys need a fill in i would love to just try it out and um, you know nothing came to fruition fruition with that and was totally fine and then i just always just love the game. And I was trying to figure out what the heck to do. You know, you like, part of you wants to get away from it because you've been doing this your entire life. And the other part of you was like, well, there's a reason that I was doing this my entire life because I absolutely love it. And so um, I ended up going to uh, grad school up in Philadelphia. And when I was um, up there, I kind of got hooked up with um, MLS, Bob Foose from the Players Association we reached out and said, hey, we're looking for these match evaluators. And the role of that is to literally just you sit in between the benches, you listen to what the coaches are yelling at the fourth officials about, you're giving your opinion on what the call should be. You know, if it's a, this was before VAR. So if it's the, you know, maybe someone gives a a soft yellow card, two soft yellow cards, like you give your opinion on that. So you do this whole like breakdown 24 hours after the game about here's what was good. Here's what the coach said in that moment. Um, fights break out. You kind of like look out and.
0: Did you edit hurt. what they said? Did you? Did, was it like dot 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 F, dot dot K?
1: <laughs> well, this was also when Ben was the coach, so you ah, know, what so I mean, definitely like, every, Everyone knows Ben's approach to the fourth official, and I don't think he would. Uh, uh obviously, Ben knows his approach <laughs> to fourth officials too. So, um, I did some games at Philly, but then I also came back to DC and was doing some games at DC. So. Yeah, you know, full transcripts, they have to type out every single word that you heard. So, um, but that kind of kept me in the game. And then, you know, I was approached by DC, I guess, before the 2016 season and said, is this something that I'd be interested in? And at that point, I had done um, a podcast with uh, a couple, a couple people in like 2013, 2014, just kind of covering DC United. And honestly, I forget the name of it. Chris Wimmer was the man who organized it, and I'm embarrassed, Chris, if you're listening, that I cannot remember the name of the podcast. But, I think it's. Uh,
0: I think it was on your. I think it was on your wiki. It was like uh, some oh, for for DC fans or for the for oh, the fan. Gosh, I, we're I both tracking. I'll edit this in. I'll just. I'll just. No, do I, it. <laughs> no. I mean,
1: I. So, you know, there's always interest there, and always continued to follow DC. And then I, I was approached by the club in 2016, and when they were moving to News Channel 8, and so. Um, you know i had to write a big check out to dave johnson to allow me to do it but uh it went through and you know he said you can come aboard so no we've uh i've had a blast with it you know i i um i love doing it. obviously i love the club I grew up watching it and i was able to play for them and so just kind of still being involved and even on a just a couple hours during the um on the weekend is enough for me to uh you know wet my appetite and Continue just keeping my toe in what is uh, just a big passion of mine. That's MLS and soccer in general.
0: The fans love when the the club can keep its former players in the loop. I think that's, I think it's great for the players, obviously. It's, it's a way to continue sort of, like you said, sort of kinship to a thing that was a big part of your life and also keeps it, you know, it's, it's I just, I think though. it's overall good thing. Yeah, yeah, sure. There's not enough spots, it is. right? <laughs> <It is. laughs> Too many it's players, right. not enough spots.
1: Yeah. Well, it's hard to do. And it's, it's, I mean, yeah, I'm from the area. Right. So like I grew up an hour and a half away and my, I have family here. And so, you know, I've thought about relocating and it's just never really come to fruition. Cause this is basically my home, but people come from all over the world to play for DC United. And so it's hard to kind of keep that alumni group together and right. tight. And so, um, that's, I don't think, you know, it's, it's really, a. A slight on the club it's, it's something that's just really hard to do and so those clubs are they're able to do it. Is um it's, it's always very impressive
0: are there any guys that you watched both before when you started in 2016 and since where you're like this is not i'm necessarily emulating this guy from a color perspective but i like the way he does he or she does what they do and sort of you know who stands out for you
1: yeah so i miss kyle martino so I, you know, he actually had a funny start. I don't know if, if you know his story, but he was basically working in finance in, in New York. And I think he got called into like an ESPN game that was taking place in New York that needed to fill in. And he did one game and I'm telling his story. And so fact check me on this. But from my sure. understanding, he, uh, you know, got, got called in just for one game in ESPN. And was like, Oh my gosh, I love this. He like quit his finance. job. I was like, how do I do this for full time? And so I love his approach. And back, back when he was doing it with NBC, before he moved over to the premier league, he was sitting in between the benches. So he was field level. And when you think about that sort of analysis that he's providing from a field level standpoint, I remember that it just blew my mind. And so I remember thinking if he's able to see this, you know, from field lover i can't imagine what he would be doing if he was up in the booth next to arlo white but i just loved how descriptive he was um you know i I, i'm a big fan of obviously talking tactics and breaking breaking teams down in terms of analysis but i also think it can be overdone and Mm -hmm. so rather than just kind of commentating on the game and um providing if you will color to the game um sometimes i think it can be overstated the breakdown of analysis and kind of over talked if you will so I always thought he does a very good. He had a very good balance of of that, and I wish. I don't know exactly what he's doing. I mean, I'm not friends with him or anything. I just I would love to see him get back um, somehow involved in MLS. Um, Yeah, the between the the benches
0: thing is great. It's a it's maybe an NHL steal. It was like the Pierre McGuire did that. Like, but it's great.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think he had mentioned that too in this podcast I was listening to, where they, you know, NBC, which had been focused on, you know, they were doing all this great work with the NHL. That's where, you know, they were putting the color guy was in between right there in between the two teams. So, um, and then honestly, I like, I like Stu Holden too. I think he does a a tremendous job um, for Fox and, you know, um, I I just kind of like his delivery and his approach to it. And him and John Strong have a good relationship. So those are two guys, obviously I can't really hear Kyle anymore. Um, But I do like listening to Stu and, you know, I try to, I don't want to say emulate because everyone has their own style, but I Mm -hmm. just, you know, pick up some little, um tricks from him.
0: Let's talk about what is probably the the most viral moment you guys have had this year, which is uh, part owner Mark Engram in the book in the in the booth <laughs> seemed like everybody was having a really fun time with that. How much I, so this is this is my interpretation of how it went.
1: Yeah, 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 they
0: they said, let's have Mark on for a few minutes. And they were like, all right, yeah, cool, he'll he'll come on for a few minutes. and then he has a great time. And Dave and you probably have like a short list of questions that you have ready for him. And then you run through all those. And then he's having such a great time and saying crazy stuff and getting really into it. And the, and the truck is like, we're just, we're just going to go 45. We're just going to, we're just going to run him the whole time. Did that, trucks am I like, right or am I wrong?
1: Trucks like gold, man. Trucks like this is <laughs> gold. Just if he wants to stay, then let him stay. Yeah, no, it's exactly right. I mean, I think he had come on. We had maybe like a, cause he came on right before the second half whistle, if I remember correctly. And, um, Yeah. You know, five minutes max, right? Like, yeah, every, you know, Dave's got three questions. I've got two questions. We'll walk through it. Have a great day. Go back to your suite. I mean, he's just his, his energy too. And Dave kind of talked about this, his energy, his comfort level. um, It's just infectious. And so it was, it it just turned into like three dudes, just like chilling in the booth, watching a soccer game. And (laughs) he's, he's just, you mentioned just gold the truck was just yep. like i remember dave you know you have it you have this button talk back button and it takes you it mutes you so no one can hear you and you go directly to the truck remember dave going what do you think we need to just like keep them here or what do you think and, and uh jeff Strauss, our producer director was just like if he wants to stay let him stay this is great lock the so, door <laughs> so he i think mark was surprised by it you know i think it kind of like uh i think it got to like the 80th minute and, he, and then he realized like oh my goodness i'm still here like where did the second half <laughs> yeah. go? and uh so i remember after the game he was like you know he kind of puts his arms up but he's got a big smile on his face he's like i thought you were just gonna ask me a couple of questions i was gonna head out <laughs> dave apologized like i'm so sorry but this is this great and he goes no i loved it it was fantastic so um I think, uh, you know, we gave him a, a key to the booth and I think everyone uh, wants to have him back as soon as possible. I know things are going on for him right now. A little busy with
0: slightly busy training
1: camp, but, um, no, he's, he was fantastic. He was fantastic.
0: I was watching that too. thinking of the people that were in his, in his, uh, booth in the, in his suite. Like Wait, I thought he was go- just, yeah. <laughs> right. Why did he come back? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what are we supposed to do? Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Let's get to the team a little bit. So, what's it like as a broadcaster to watch a team that is so full throttle and and chaotic in in a positive way most of the game under under Lasada? I think probably slightly easier to find things to to comment on than like a zero zero shotless game where we've had or just like sort of a sort of a, a stalemate or a physical game that's not really going to produce a lot of opportunities there are lots of opportunities maybe yeah. not as many goals as the coach would like but there are certainly opportunities flying all over the place it's got to be something more enjoyable to to try to add color to
1: yeah it's it you know i mean it's um is mark ingram has an infectious you know personality and his smile lights up a room i think lasada has an infectious style right and um, approach this game and you can't help but just be energized watching them i mean um it's an exhausting style to play. Sure. You know, these players are, um, It's it's been a big transition, a little bit different than, you know, the, the Olsen approach, but um, it's fun. And so, and, and you, you ask about, you know, watching them, it's uh, how you watch them at home or how you watch them in out of field. I'm watching them the same way, right? And so I have to have a bit more of a neutral lens to it and have a, you know, look at tactics a little bit more, a little less on the ball, a little bit more about what's going off of it. But um, you can kind of, you, you love to see the plays develop. And early on in the season, they simply weren't like, it was just running. It was pressing. And now, you know, we're hitting, which is going to be a really busy stretch here. You know, we're at the end of July. They've got the ability to press teams. They have the ability to hit teams on the break. They have the ability to be in a mid block. If they want to, they have the ability to have six, seven, eight passes, and create a chance. Now they're not always hitting the back of the net. I know obviously Lasada talks about needing to finish. Everyone knows they need to finish more, but the chances they're creating from the run of play, um, through counterattacks, like it's just, they can hit you a number of ways. And that's, that's so exciting. Um, just as a fan to be able to see that and, um, you know, adding color to that. Sometimes I just try not to get in the way of what's being viewed. So, um, you know, I'll try to provide some sort of breakdown a little bit if I see something happen three passes ago or if I see him, uh, you know, someone out of position, I try to call that out. But, you know, for the most part, what I just find engaging is exciting is you never know what sort of approach they're going to take. Are they going to realize the situation hit you on the, the high press like Julian Russell did um, on the weekend winning that ball? And then slotting it across Ola Kumar. are they going to be in the mid-block? And then against New York City, are they going to go direct like they did from Moses Nyman to Nigel Roberta? So it definitely keeps you on your toes. There's, it's certainly not predictable, and I can imagine um, it's uh, getting frustrating and tough for teams to kind of plan to play a Lasada ball because um, while he says it's up-tempo and it's high energy and it's high-press, that's true, but they've also got a bunch of different folds to it as well, and now they're beating more dangerous in the final third. Um, just creating opportunities to the run to play. I think they still need to work on low blocks, right? Like we saw Orlando come in, we saw Philly come in. They have better ideas in terms of breaking down these low blocks, um, but those are gonna continue to cultivate in time and And hopefully when, you know, a full roster is healthy as well and Losada has everyone to pick. Um, right and find a, you know, his best 11 that can probably help in terms of breaking down those low blocks too. But yeah, it's, it's, it's an, it's an interesting team. I think there's a, a ton of upside, um, to the team. You know, you're looking at the table and there's, there's opportunity out there. I mean, uh, Lassad always talks about, it. I don't think we've been outplayed by any team. I can't, I mean, John, unless you know a game, I, I can't think of one. I mean,
0: not really. Uh, even the San Jose game, which was a lopsided score. I mean, it was it was weird individual mistakes if I'm remembering now it seems like forever ago but there was some weird individual defensive mistakes I think Fred made of like fell over uh, tracking back on Kate, uh, Cowell. Kate
1: Cowell Kate Cowell was the mistake yeah yeah <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah he's he a was... he's a human mistake machine <laughs> at that time
1: it <laughs> was allowing letting him play was that was the mistake yeah so um, no that's a good shot yeah San Jose I blocked that one out too but other than yeah. that I mean you know that was a that was a Second game of the year and third, second or third game of the year. And they um, still hadn't really figured out transition at times. I think they still struggled. And with they that.
0: had, and I don't even think they even had a full complement of players on the bench. I think they were, I think they had five guys yeah. uh, that they could bring with them. So I don't hold that up against them for sure. I'm, honestly, though, we're, re, we're re-entering based on the oh, walking wounded situation in the Red Bulls game. We're we're sort of there. Giovanni j- Bolivar may be looking at minutes just uh-huh. because uh, j- just because they're so banged up uh, at forward. But yeah. I, I I think you made a good point about the Red Bulls game is that uh, the way they set out right. If you looked at that lineup, some of it's dictated by injuries, but some yeah. of it was also I think tactical. Some of that was having Drew Scundrich in that eight role and sure. sort of like yeah. in between those two. Hey, I don't think they've done that before. i not I've not seen that sort of particularly at home against a you know a, a, a rival doesn't matter. But the way that the Red Bull set out. And they and they, I think the game went according to plan. I think that that's what they wanted to do, based on the way they were playing. As far as let's let's grab a goal and then let's strangle this game. They're going to play physical. They're they don't they don't have the strengths to match up to really put us under a whole bunch of pressure. And they just ended the game. They 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 allowed no offense. They were just uh, just nullifying. So yeah. I thought that was pretty. It's great to have that in the bag, right? It's great to have that. Swashbuckling is great, and it depends on when you got to use it. But it's good to have like we're gonna we're gonna tactically deploy opportunities to steal the ball and put the ball in the net. Otherwise we're just going to let you not do anything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I think Lasada's style, it's a bit of an equalizer, right? Like, I mean, um, obviously he wants a full roster and be able to pick his best 11, but a lot of it has to do with effort and running and positioning. And those are all things you can teach. And so even though, I mean, you know, I don't want to think that New York Red Bulls, they have a, their own style. And I think, not the New York Red Bulls of past where they have Thierry Henry and this high you know, quality players, they still have quality players, but like you face a team like New York city, who's got, you know, fantastic quality in their front four. You've got, mm-hmm. um, you know, team like, well, Miami, I don't know. They, they should have quality in the front four, but what I'm trying, I'm trying to indicate, what I'm trying to get the point across, it is an equalizer, just the, the, the style of play. Um, it kind of can limit the ability for teams with those, you know, dangerous and expensive front three, four players, um, it has the ability to take them out of the game. And so, you know, when you're missing your $5 million man in Edison Flores, you have Paul Ariola out, Donovan Pines, who's, you know, obviously with the national team as well. Um, these are some important pieces that um, are missing from the team and he's still able to go out there because of the style, because of the coaching involved, because of the tactics to go out there and get a result with. Um, you know basically not a a full squad
0: from a former player's perspective what was your reaction when you heard about the big changes in fitness expectations about putting everyone's bmi on the wall in a meeting prescribing more of the off-field time like that was all the all the stories were like it made it sound like aaron was like all right you will eat bananas from five to six and you will no no video games we're throwing those out and you're gonna to go to bed at seven thirty every night. That's what's gonna happen. As a former player, obviously Ben Olson, known more as a player's coach, very much like you just get here and you work hard for me in practice, and you try, you 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 fight for ninety minutes. I don't really care what you do. Maybe maybe they maybe they did, but it seemed very much as like I was a player. I I, I get it. I don't want to. I don't want. <laughs> I don't want to be miserable. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. What
0: What was your reaction to sort of that that big change? Because I think it was uh, pronounced and or at least covered as if it were dramatic and pronounced
1: yeah i i mean um you know as a former player everyone like we we all did body max body mass index when we came in on the first day right so like it wasn't a secret and it was pretty visible who did some work in the offseason who didn't do some work in the offseason now lining it up with like a chart and i don't know all about i, I mean i know obviously um report said that he did that and there's confirmation on that i don't think we ever did anything like that but at the same time like that's fine with me now changing right. all the off field. I think, um, you know, from a culture standpoint, I think Lassata is bringing, um, just bringing DC Knight into a new age, right? Like this is, this is the stuff that, you know, he was experiencing. This is the expectations his players over in Belgium had, um, that he had set forth for them. And so it worked over there. I'm going to bring this stateside and, it's going to work for you now the hard part is making those adjustments you have to buy into it right if you're a player you have to say okay i'm willing to do this because i believe what he is selling me i believe that he is going to get us to where we need to be as a team um but you need to start getting results pretty quickly with that too and he's been able to you know obviously they're not sitting top of the table but he's been able to get the full buy-in from the teams and or from the, the players. And obviously the results have started to come as well. And so when those results come when you get a seven, one, everything's fine. Right. Like, right. I don't care. whatever. We does. love running. We it's love fantastic. Running. It's so <laughs> worth it. And, you know, also for players, I played for Peter Novak. So like, I mean, fitness levels where we're, we had pretty intense, crazy fitness levels too. Um, that was really my only skill in professionals when I played for DC United was the ability to run. <laughs>
0: so beep test beep test master.
1: I thought about coming out of retirement, be like Lasada, give me a try route. Um, yeah, beep test master. That was that was my uh that was my moniker. So I can't connect a five yard pass, but I can run, coach.
0: So <laughs> I think he I think he might have a spot for you. I think that's <laughs> that's certainly a compelling narrative for him at this moment. Yeah. You're healthy, you're able you're able to make it. That's Uh, that's a job one right now
1: yeah i couldn't across the field right now
0: (laughs) who's been the most pleasant surprise for you on the field this season and why is it andy nahar
1: yeah yeah so it's um it is not andy andy's awesome man no no of course yeah like it's i mean how old was he so i I got to play with him in 2010 and just the story is incredible right i mean how he came to the United States and then he gets picked out to join DC United's Academy. And then like a month later, he's, he's the best player in DC United's training. Ben Camp throws number
0: 14 at him.
1: Yeah, seriously. Right. Yeah. Cause that was he's right like, when but you game, can eat. right. When Ben yep. retired too. Right. So, um, no. And, and you just, you just want him to do well. And you knew like when he came back into the league in LA, like I, I was excited about it, but you knew it was kind of just a, place for him to kind of, you know, reset, um get healthy. I was I know he got some games, what do you get like seven or eight games, but mm-hmm. I I didn't really expect him when I saw that to to be the Andy Nahar that, you know, he he had been in the past. And so when he was a trialist, right? Where, where everyone's following like golf Twitter or whoever else's Twitter just indicating like how how is Andy doing? How is Andy doing? I knew as soon as he made the team like he's going to be legit because this is, he's just got a, I feel like he's got the fire in him. I feel like this club is near and dear to his heart. Um, And if you can combine that passion and you combine that fire, he's got the quality. He's got the skill. If he can stay healthy, then you knew it was going to yep. do good things. Now what I didn't foresee is just being a playmaker from right center back. I thought right. no one did. No know, one could have seen right? that. Like, I mean, only Lasada could envision this right. And, and it came to him. And so um, at times, I always thought he could be, uh, you know, if they need to deploy him as a right back or maybe even like a right, you know, wing back, but he's been, he's been so good back there. Um, it's just a, it's, it's fantastic to see. And you just, you know, knock on wood that hopefully he continues to uh, continue to stay healthy and um, keep letting him do his thing. But he is a highlight reel every time he gets the ball his he seat is. right now. I mean, it's just, it's, it's brilliant to watch. He is
0: he is for sure going to set the MLS record for most completed dribbles as a center back. It's not going to yeah. be close. If they keep such a stat, it will, he will be at the top of it. I can't imagine him not being there.
1: Well, um, I, I also envision him as kind of like being like the perfect, um, sitting under the forward. Right. So like Ariola on the left and then Nahar on the right too. And he was healthy. And so, uh, but again, I never, I never imagined him being a right center back. I also, when I was playing with him and he's had quite a few experiences since, uh, I last played with him in 2010, champions league and such. So, um, he's picked up a a little bit of experience, but, um, he's a good defender. Yeah. Right. Like one-on-one. I mean, he's got the athletic ability, but he reads the game really well too. And that was always, obviously he was only 18 years old, but that was a part of his game that I never really thought, um, was too elite, but he's, he's, what do I know? He, uh,
0: Ernan sort of said in one of the press availabilities that the that the role that he's playing is sort of partially to uh, keep him from hurting himself. Like, the, he was like, originally we're thinking he'd, he'd run less and we'd be able to. And then it's like, oh, but no, <laughs> he's actually just as active. He's doing, he's playing as though he, he's doing what he would have done on the right wing where he deployed there, but he's yeah.
1: in a defensive position. So. Yeah. Well, it's just as not, it, it's just who he is, though. Right. Right? Like, he just sees the space. Um, he's got the confidence with the ball at his feet and i mean he'll break lines and and then he'll break another line and then he'll you know provide service or slip a pass or whatever so um most most center backs limited to two touches but that's right not andy's game I mean, it's what he's he's a bit unpredictable in that regard but offensively that's that's it's, he's so important to DC united right now and again defensively he's been so steady as well so Perez too has surprised me i mean yep Bradley called him, you know, liked his game to Firmino. He That's a it. high com-
0: compliment com- uh, from a guy coming out of indoor soccer. I, Dude, right? uh, famous, Famously only to people who listen to the show, I had, I had written a sort of season preview in the forwards, and it was long. And I was like, I had to have gotten everybody. And I just completely forgot the player. I did not include him in the article. I didn't even think about it until the next day. And I was like, oh, all right, well. Yeah. That's the seventh guy. I apologize. It's not going to be a, it's not going to be a big deal. He's he's making up numbers and then of course clearly incorrect clearly incorrect. He's had he's he has had a uh, there's no way that you could have predicted how many minutes he would have by this point this season and that he would until he got injured start and play every game or play every game.
1: I know it's I, I know I was uh I was bummed for him to hear about that injury obviously everyone in Philly seemed to be getting hurt. Um DC forgot their switch blades when they went up to Chester play. <laughs> Yeah,
0: they did Dude. they forgot where they forgot where they were playing
1: yeah um, but no he's been special and i mean he's just he's got a lot of quality and you could see too where what the relationship between him and Edison Flores was too and they they just love to play together and so um you know i think his game kind of took a little bit of a hit and maybe he had a, a little bit of a knock as well but it kind of took a hit when Edison Flores went down with his hamstring but yeah he's he's been a bright spot um Gee, I mean, I, honestly, the whole team's just kind of been a bright spot. It's been, everyone's been playing at a, a pretty high level. Um, suspect, suspect finish. Perez, times, too,
0: but, Perez, too, yeah. probably has not had this much consecutive play since he was playing at the youth level. I, he's not been a consistent professional starter since indoor yeah. league. So I think that that's also got to take a, it's almost like a rookie form dip, even as a middle older player. Like sure. he's, yeah. he's he's been around the game a little bit. So that. That would, I we were all just want him to score a goal, right? Like just just break that duck. He's so many opportunities, and uh, also I'd like to see Andy score at home. I think that would be a phenomenal another goal. I would well, like. I would. I think that'd be great.
1: I mean, I think I think you know talking about players too is yeah. Andy scoring in front of the supporters that go crazy. So yes. uh but Perez is gonna, I think, you know, hopefully he gets back healthy and back to form, and um, I think he's gonna be a little bit like Paredes, right? Like once he hits the back of the net, like it's just kind of like a weight off your shoulders, start to feel more comfortable inside the 18, and um, you know, it's it, if 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 they could unlock Perez um, in terms of hitting the back of the net as well, then that would be a that'd be a big big piece for DC United. You just get them back healthy first, I guess. So.
0: Yeah. I- I think it's a common discussion among fans and the media about the three players at the most, three young players at the most playing time this season. Two of them now starting to have transfer buzz, uh, you know, with varying degrees of probably accuracy uh, with city football group being linked to Kevin. Maybe that's true. Maybe they want to, maybe they want to do, put them to Melbourne city or take them to New York city and screw us somehow. Uh, but we, who do you talk, think? Uh, go ahead.
1: Can We talk about why they call themselves group. Yeah, I like guess. isn't a group like five or six people? You know, like instead of like, uh, you
0: know, conglomerate city, city <laughs> exactly. football uh, syndicate. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. of Pines, of Pines, Paredes, and Nyman, uh, you know, they're all they're all they're all doing great. Uh, I think highest ceiling is always a discussion. I think that Nyman was. I'll I'll tell you mine first. So uh, I had I had nine minutes, sort of being the guy that I was thinking. Obviously the youngest, but from a European attractiveness perspective, uh, his skill set, his age, still, um, sort of maybe how it projects that he maybe is the most likely to move sooner and yeah. and have opportunities. Uh, but I think now Paredes is hot, right? Paredes, if they if if someone came in for him now, this is this is, he's got first uh, first call up, even though it wasn't a full call up, first attention with the national team. Confidence, scoring goals now, positional versatility. Um, Pines getting an opportunity to go play uh, in the Gold Cup. So, uh, you know, if you had to guess, who's the first one to really break out and, and be playing somewhere uh, else?
1: Um, I, it, it's a good question. It's you know, it, uh, my my opinion is it's Kevin Paredes. Um, and the reason being is attacking players. Like that that the technical ability he has in one v one situations. Um his pace, just his overall skill set, a left footed dynamic winger. Those and not to say a Nyman or a Donovan Pines are easy to come by either, but those mm-hmm. those are tough to come by, right? Like a left footed loves going 1v1, can be a wing back, can maybe be a left back, can maybe be a you know high winger. Um, I haven't really seen him inside, but he is comfortable coming inside and you know kind of providing some link-up play between the center mids and the forward. So I think if I were to name one, I'd probably say Paredes. But of course, I mean, Nineman, just he's got so much quality to his game in terms. Of, I mean, he's so young, you, you see his game, he's so composed. Um, for for being little in stature, he's got tremendous balance and strength, and he can, you know, his timing of his tackles is tremendous too. And so he can, you know, write off some challenges that you wouldn't expect him to write off. He can win some challenges that you wouldn't expect him to win. And he needs it, you know, any young player, he's got some room for improvement. I think um, distribution in terms of, you know, maybe over 20, 30 yards could be improved, but he still has that in his game as well. So, mm-hmm. um, and you don't need that all the time as a, you know, number six. You can always just, you know, as long as you're playing forward, which you can do, splitting lines, then, um, you know, that, I, that, that that he's got a high ceiling, too. So, I don't know. I, I don't want to put him can't in go order. Wrong. You can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think Donovan Pines is just, um, obviously, he's with the national team. I mean, he's doing fantastic. And so, um, I, I don't know if there'd be a transfer coming from him, um, but he's he's still got some developing to do and but just his 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 ability his role as a center back in the back three I think is is perfect for him at the moment and he's just developing every game and getting this time with the national team under Berhalter is uh you know going to do wonders for his game as well so
0: we asked Moses sort of like what you know you ask every young player like who do you who do you who do you monitor your game after? Who do you look at? He said Conte, and I was like, that was the one obvious. Like that was the one on my ha- on my mind, obviously. too. the fact that yeah. you know, riding out challenges, being the shortest guy in the field, yeah. being able to muscle guys off the ball, but also looking like the wind could blow you over, like yeah. it, things that don't make sense. He can do, Butterfly and that's got to be attractive,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it, it's a it is a skill set or right? it's a talent, right? I mean, like, um. And his just ability to I mean Conte's ability to just move his feet constantly and I mean he just it, it puts players in bad positions because they can't get around him and he's just got terrific footwork and Nyman is um, you know he has tremendous footwork as well and uh, has good time challenge. So yeah, he's he, he's so tidy with the ball at his feet too. Like I mean he's so comfortable. he, he can I remember last year, like I forget what game it was, we came in late in the game and um I think it was towards the end of the season so D.C. actually was up and I remember he got played a tight ball from the center back and he had two midfielders coming down to close him and it was just a casual little open the hip split um split the seam just with the ball at his feet and so yeah that sort of composure is uh yeah at that age it's simply it's remarkable
0: It's good times for DC fans uh, there you know there was always the there was always the criticism about you know, not playing the academy kids enough. And then my always argument would be, well, what did they do when they left? Like, are they, are they national teams? Eric Williamson being an, a, a, an exam, yeah. the, the, the one proving the, uh, the opposite, but that would always be the thing is like, well, they didn't go on. Right. Like, so maybe that way, maybe Ben was evaluating talent properly. Maybe that was the case, but now you have these kids that are busting on the doors. Kevin is basically is a, is a, is a nailed on starter now at this point. I don't think. I don't. I, maybe not, but I feel it feels like if he's healthy, that uh, he they can't keep him out of the lineup right now. Yeah, and I that's mean, a good thing.
1: It's he's become pivotal over the past month or so. I mean, it, it kind of changes their dynamic too. And Lasada's talked about it a little bit, like they'll overload the right side, hoping to be able to get him isolated on the left side for one v one situations. And I mean, there's not too many coaches in the league who have players on their roster 18. that they <laughs> that are 18, who they're willing to just like tactically change things slightly to, you know, get this player in these good situations. So um, yeah, he's, he's fun. He's yeah. Fun. And you is. can hear it like an Audi field too now, like he gets the ball and there's this expectation that something amazing is gonna happen with <laughs> you love to feel that energy, but at the same time you're like, let's just let the kid play a little bit.
0: Yeah, well there's a pop when they do lineups too. Like it's 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 fun to watch that the the evolution happen, right? Like Yeah, yeah. New you, you get you get a pop for your first game, like, hey, it's the new kid, great, and then he doesn't maybe nothing happens for a while and then he just becomes like baseline polite clap and then you score a goal and then you start doing these things and then you are bill hamid level pop oh yeah every time they call your name that's fun to watch just uh just sort of seeing how the fans react two more questions for you i appreciate you taking your time on this what will be it's wednesday night um again we don't know what days things are anymore it's all it doesn't yeah uh, we've kept the power The one the the i did not get electrocuted so that's great yeah, i won't bring up harbor view in depth because i think filibuster went a little bit in depth in it uh when when you were on their podcast but that was the first year I had a season ticket package, so I was sitting right in front of where you were celebrating after your first goal. So I remember that like extremely clearly. Oh, nice! Um, I love I love the Champions League. I'm on yeah. I'm on record for talking about it all the time. I feel like it never really I, it's not taken off in the way that I would hope it to to take off. And obviously, besides, you know, what was your experience like playing in an international tournament, like a club competition like that? And what do you think besides an MLS team winning? what makes it more of a draw what makes it more of a tv draw what gets people in the in the in in the seats on a wednesday night yeah. um is it is it just that americans don't watch other like they watch european leagues they watch you know they'll watch mls but as far as they're not finding like channel 7000 to find out what, what joe public is doing in in the league or like maybe they watch liga mx hopefully they watch that but beyond that these are sort of unknown teams so how do you how do you sell that to an American consumer?
1: I don't Stuff, know. Right? I, they haven't figured it out yet. Nope. You know, I mean, um, I you know, you watch Champions League. I watch Champions League. Um, to be perfectly frank, the only games I watch in Champions League have MLS teams in them. I'm not watching the. Right. You know, <laughs>
0: There's too much soccer to watch the group uh, yeah, stage. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm
1: not watching the Harbor View versus Prisa. Um But. Yeah, it's I, I think a big unlock for the American soccer community, and this is just me spitballing, is is an MLS team winning it. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is because until we win it, it's it's a you know, Mexican dominated trophy. And so with that It's always the attitude of, like, well, I don't really need to watch that game or because, like, even if they win the first leg, they're going to go to Mexico. and We always know what happens when American teams or Canadian teams go to Mexico. And while that narrative has changed slightly over the past, like, five years, Mm -hmm. I remember when I was playing, it was like, oh, my gosh, we got to tie Pachuca. Like, this was, like, major news in MLS. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And now, you know, teams are starting to win, but um, just unable to really get through to the, obviously – hopefully uh, philadelphia can do it um but ultimately lift up the trophy and so um i think that'll help it's just an american culture thing too of just being ingrained in your club and and what this means to the club i mean right being, being the best in the region going to wherever the world fifa club championship is going to be held and like potentially if you know were able I'd to fly do. to that in a second. Exactly. If DC United right. got
0: to that, I would. It would be. Like, I, they could get beat thirty-seven to nothing by Liverpool or whatever, yeah. and I'd be like, "This is the best thing and, <laughs> that and, I could have ever asked for." And,
1: and and yeah, I know. I mean, exactly. And so, um, until until an MLS team kind of has that breakthrough, I think it's just always going to be kind of like a bit of misery and like slightly watching the games, but not fully invested because yeah, it's a book you've read before um so that's my thought on it and i i don't know i mean obviously we know liga uh mx at MX, in oh my gosh yeah the mexican league obviously we know like their support in, in the united states is, is massive too and so it's a it's a difficult thing for garber and Whoever else is making those decisions, like how do we compete against that while also leveraging all of these supporters to come watch our teams? So uh, they're trying to figure that out now with all the Na-
0: well the Nations League stuff or not know, Nations League, but whatever the whatever it's called, League's Cup. The League's they're Cup. They're trying to figure it out.
1: Yeah. So it's because it's a cash cow, and I think both leagues are trying to figure out how to do it. What I don't want to see is just one huge North American league. I think that just loses the. I I think a loss will be lot there. A a lot will be lost there Um, because you know you're not going to have Philadelphia. You're not going to have you know New York Red Bulls coming to town. You'd have well, you may have them. You'd have you know once
0: once every other year you might get them. Yeah, it'd be Kerataro on a Saturday. Exactly, like cool. I guess
1: Exactly. (laughs) that's fine. Cool, cool. And then you don't know who these players are and stuff. Right? Right. Yeah. So. there was yeah, another and question you started with it, Yeah, just
0: I just, just sort it. of like what it felt like to play in it. I think uh, the, the thing that, the thing there's a, this is a weird visual reminder. this is what I remember about Champions League in that era. I remember I remember the Champions League logo falling off of everyone's jersey Yeah. because they were iron on They're at the last second on. and they were yeah. just bleep. Yeah,
1: it, <laughs> so we'll, it might not <laughs> even been an iron, it might have been a blow dryer. You know, like a hair (laughs) dryer, just like putting it on, on the sleeve. And then just, I remember like, you know, them falling off all over the field after the, after the game, there'd be like 10 of them on the field. (laughs) You know, honestly, at the time I was, I was very naive, right? Like, I mean, I knew of these clubs and I just thought playing for DC United, I was lucky. I went to like the best, most historic club in MLS coming out of college and I just thought it's just what you did. Like, you just, you just played Pachuca, and you played Cruz Azul, and, like, this is just what you did. You're in CONCACAF Champions League every year. And so, right. um, you know, while you're – I remember, I mean, just being amazed by the quality of these teams and being in Mexico City um, and, like, getting the feel and the vibe of, like, what it means to be part of that club in that city something that you know I don't think at the time DC United players were experiencing um you just it was I was just naive to it like I, it was to me just another game and I look back and I watch Champions League and um while obviously we're out there to to win the games and um you know I put forth my best effort I just thought it was something you did every season like in the in February you're going to go to like Costa Rica, you're going to go to Jamaica and you're going to play a couple games or you'll play a game and then you'll come back and you'll play another game and it'll be 30 degrees. And <laughs> and then we'll go play some Mexican teams. And, um, but now I'm watching, I'm like, I, I just had no idea the gravity of what these games actually meant. And, I, you know, I, I still kind of, um, that's one thing I look back on in my career and I'm like, I didn't even like exchange jerseys with any of these teams because it's, it is special. It really is. And so um, I think that. The gravitas of playing in Champions League for MLS teams is is there now. I think their understanding of what it means for them to have a chance to be, or at least playing with the best teams in the region, um, is taken seriously. Um, and that's not to say it wasn't taken seriously by our staff or by D.C. United, but, like, in the moment, it was just like another game, and I just thought... Well, I you were young, good. right? I, I mean, was, you're young. That's yeah. like anybody and, and else did. That... I, I was... Uh, I, I walked into a successful club, and you don't always understand the the work that went into that success with people who had gotten there before you. And so, um, yeah, and it all obviously quickly faded after the uh, 2008. I think was the last year that we were part of any sort of international.
0: Yep, I remember, I remember the. I think 2008 was a. Uh, that was a. There was an, a group stage game where you went through three goalies because of red cards, uh, injury and two red cards. Uh, James Thorpe came on and saved the penalty, I believe. I think that was 08. Uh, yeah, it was a weird time. That was It was like right as I was getting into the DC United Phantom. I was, uh, just like you, I was like, well, we're always going to be in this. We're, this we're is something like, yeah, that I have it's, to love. It's guaranteed. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. Speaking of James Thorpe, didn't he get a red card against Cruz Azul for wasting time like in the first half? I want to say he did. <laughs> yeah.
0: That was his first start, I believe. Uh, also, that was a real, <laughs> real bummer for him.
1: Oh, poor kid.
0: Yep. Uh, so you said 2008. I think I'll, we'll wrap up. Any, f- I want to know about fond memories from the Open Cup win. I bl- I was 08, right? Was it 08 or 11? Oh, eight. No, yeah, oh, 08.
1: Yeah.
0: Known to me as the only time I've ever seen a DC United win a trophy in front of me. Uh, yeah. So that, so I I remember it very. And did Lewis Creighton run out in practice? Also, would he would he run to like midfield and dribble the ball out and do oh, crazy yeah, stuff?
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, that was yeah. I mean, it oh, was just him. Dude was a character. I mean, he played with a smile on his face and um, just an overall character, and a good dude. But yeah, as a defender, that sort of um, approach the game it is why I have gray hair. You think I bleached my hair? I have gray hair because Louis <laughs> <It's Trayton. laughs> <in 2000. laughs> Uh Yeah, but oh, goodness. Yeah, that. So, you know, I was fortunate to be. my my rookie year was 2006 we won the supporter shield again naive like cool good for us like we're the best (laughs) team in the league yeah it's just like what we do 2007 repeated that won the supporter shield and then 2008 i was like oh my goodness what's it night what's it like not to win the supporter shield this is like this is what mls is like it's a battle and um so when we had the opportunity we to uh, be in the final for the open cup i mean you know fortunately we were able to host it against the battery and we had a lot of good players. Fred was on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, he scored that game, didn't he? I think he got this. did he get a second? I think uh, Emilio I think got, he might the have first got the second one. goal.
0: Emilio first and then I yeah, think Fred got scored, the, the finisher. He scored
1: in the early going too and um I think he like hurt his groin in the process of scoring so he got subbed off. But yeah, I mean it was it was awesome. It was really um being able to do it in, in front of the you know everyone in RFK. Um it was awesome. It was I like to, I, I don't know, Every I have different thoughts on what the highlight of my career was. Lifting a trophy obviously is always at the top, but there may be like a couple moments where like dreams kind of come true and that create a, a bit of an equalizer, but um, it certainly was a special moment. It was a hard game too. I mean, I remember we, we weren't taking the battery lightly. It was, we knew they were going to come out and we knew they were going to play. And I think they had um, Alonzo was holding down the midfield for them. Um, who obviously has yep. had a tremendous career in MLS, and so you know they had some quality players and made a game of it, and you know we came out on top and lifted the trophy, and it was just a, it was a fantastic night. the The hard part about the um, the uh, the Open Cup is when you're you know winning a trophy on a Wednesday night and you play on a Saturday, like it's, <laughs> right. Got a it and get prep the next day. The celebration doesn't last long. <laughs> so that's but, the only yeah, celebrating
0: in front of the celebrating in front of the bar i remember just everyone bringing the trophy over yeah it was very very cool I yeah hope for, cool. hope for another moment like that again in the future um yeah devin for sure. thank you so much for joining our yeah. traditional yeah, hour-long no, podcast
1: you. sorry for thank i i should thank you for joining because uh i was the one who's talking the whole time so thank you nope. for allowing well, that's- me
0: that is the idea, man. I appreciate. it. Uh, well, we know where to find him on TV. Uh, he's also on Twitter and Instagram, but I think Twitter is the one maybe he uses a little bit more than Instagram. Is that would that would that be? Or how, which which one? Where if someone were to follow you, would they have more value?
1: Yeah, follow both of them. <sighs> value, man. That's the <laughs> loose word. So yeah, um, so I'm on Twitter. Uh, probably, I probably thumb that more than Instagram. So um, do some do some stuff there. I can reply to people there. So yeah, it's just at Diva McTee. Instagram's the same, but it's mostly my children, and you guys don't need to see
0: my kids. So, or if you want to, you can. So that's or, the, or you, if you, you get want to, if you home like and work, yeah, whatever you get, whatever you want to do, you can. And and, and I have proof of evidence that he will read these tweets. He will see them. Uh, if there's a delay in the game, he will see them. So and do I need sure to show my hair hair twi- if, if, It's when, right proof of life. It's like hold the newspaper up next to. It. <laughs> what year was this, <laughs> Devin? Thank you so much for joining everybody. Uh, we this is the second episode of the week, I believe. Later on in this week, we'll have an interview with Ashley Sanchez, so make sure you are subscribed to the podcast if you want this podcast the day we record it, which is Wednesday night. So if you're staying up late and really eager for some podcasts, uh, join our Patreon, patreon.com slash RFK Refugees. Thank you for joining us, uh, and we'll catch you in like 24 hours. Vamos.